Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another episode of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Shelly and joined with me, of course, is my co-host, Serge. Good day, Serge. How are you today? Shelly, we're just talking. This is actually being recorded on a Monday and I do have the Monday feeling. What, you mean the Monday morning dreads? Yeah, kind of. But I am really excited about Mm -hmm. our guest today. So I talk about programmatic a whole lot. I think our audience is kind of annoyed of how much I talk about programmatic, but I'm still going to feed it true because I think it's something that talent departments are not- They still don't understand. They don't understand. I I believe that. You're right. So keep talking. Keep preaching it, Serge. Keep preaching. (laughs) We decided to bring on- Yeah. The guy of programmatic. The man. The man. So we have- Christian Foreman, who is the CEO and founder of AppCast. Christian, great to have you on. Thanks so much, Serge. And, and Shelly, it's great to be here. How's your Monday going? It also, it's raining sideways in upstate New Hampshire, where we're headquartered out of, and pretty dark. So it feels like the uh, seasons are definitely changing. But I am one of the luckiest people on the planet. I do not work in a coal mine. I love my job. I get to work with super smart people. And Monday's always a pretty good day for me. I love the way you think, Chris. I've always said that on Fridays, I wish it was Monday because it (laughs) seems like Friday is such a busy day. And that was really true for last week. Serge, like we had so much on the go. Anyways, lovely to have you here. Thank you. Chris, now I know Serge is a big fan and has known of you and followed the whole AppCast story. But for our audience, could you share who you are and maybe a little bit about your journey into the recruitment technology world? Sure. I'm Chris Foreman. I'm 51. I'm married. I have four kids, live on a small dairy farm besides doing all the technology stuff. (laughs) Come on. Yeah, seriously. Cows, pigs, sheep, and chickens. Dairy farm in addition to being CEO. Okay. I'm not the (laughs) farmer. My wife is the farmer. She's truly the exceptional one. Besides being a farmer, she's mothered four kids. She puts up with my crap. And uh, she's also a physician, which leads into why AppCast is in Northern New England. 30 years ago, I fell in love with Angela Toms, and we graduated from college in a small university in in Maine. She went to work for the National Institutes of Health as a researcher in the lab with this guy by the name of Tony Fauci. Come on. Okay. Yeah. And and so we made a deal when we got engaged that I was going to follow her to medical school. She got in everywhere, but she chose Dartmouth, which is here. And I grew up in cities and I came on up here and I said, okay, sweetheart, I love you, but we are going to be here for four years and one day. And that was 28 years ago. (laughs) So there you go. But I, I got involved in startups because I needed to pay the rent. I was a journalist on Capitol Hill when we moved up to Dartmouth and Mm -hmm. moved up to this area. And there was one newspaper and they didn't have any openings when we had no money and I needed to pay the rent. And I found a little startup that needed somebody in marketing. And I bluffed my way in because I could write. And pretty quickly, I found out I was a better business person than I was a journalist. And my start in recruiting technology was, oh goodness, about 20 years ago. I, I ended up being involved in two startups both of them got sold. And then I joined this company called Ayers very early on, which was a recruitment training company and also developed the first broadly adopted recruitment CRM platform in mm-hmm. the US, a SaaS platform. I ended up becoming the CEO. We grew it. We sold it to our largest customer, which was a company by the name of The Right Thing, the largest RPO in the US at the time. This was 2008. 
And then we turned around and sold that business to ADP a few years later. I highly recommend selling your business twice. It's always fun. <laughs> and then we founded a lab up here near Dartmouth to build uh, cool new technologies and talent acquisition. And AppCast is the last of the children of Starkdate Labs. So that's, wow. that's the story in brief. Perfect. Right before we joined, I was just talking to Chris um, and that we've actually met before. So when AppCast came in. But he didn't remember you? I don't think he <laughs> no, one, no one forgets Serge. <laughs> no, no one forgets Serge. Come on, Shelly. Um, unforgettable. Yeah. So AppCast launched and I still remember I was at Workopolis and every player during those days, we were trying to find a way to compete against Indeed. Indeed was starting to take a pretty massive share of the market here in Canada. Workopolis mm -hmm. had been the bigger player for a long time and out came AppCast and Workopolis launched a product called Applify. So Chris, I'm going to go back to when AppCast was founded. I like to get the history of how the relationship between AppCast and, and Workopolis actually, how did it unfold and what was your overall thoughts back then? First off, I want to show the picture from the party at Workopolis where I actually got- Yes. Is that Garth singing. Brooks? No, that's me. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this was at the, what is it? The steam whistle or what's the name of the brewery in Toronto? It would be yeah. the steam whistle. Steam whistle, And that was exactly the party we met. There you go. See, I never forget you. But anyway, so I was at the steam whistle <laughs> singing for the launch party. Actually, there's an association in North America called, it used to be called the IAWS, the International Association of Employment Websites. Now it's called TA Tech. Yeah. And in oh. 2014, right after we had launched AppCast, I gave a speech there about this vision that the job ad space was going to be revolutionized by software-driven buying, which is a more common sense name for programmatic advertising. And at that meeting, there were a few folks from Workopolis and they said, Chris, this is really interesting. And, and Serge, they actually said exactly the same thing that you did. It's like, we're competing with Indeed and we're looking for something that could give us an edge. Could you come on up and talk to us about how we might be able to work together? And I did. And I know you guys know this, but Canadians are just nice. They're just nice. And uh -huh. so- so we came on up and it was a nice group of people and we had a nice meeting and nobody was swearing at each other. And it was like, far out, let's go figure out how to do this. So we started a joint venture called Applify, which took AppCast technology and Workopolis traffic and tried to bring a new pay model to Canada. It was this great partnership on the people and partnership level. I think it was a pretty challenging time to grow a, a new ad business in, in, in Canada, to be candid. So the business outcomes of it was middle of the road, but it was a formative piece of work that we did at AppCast. AppCast was founded in 2014 with basically six people in a room that smelled like a hockey bag. And by the time we started working with Workopolis, we were up to a princely figure of, I think, 12 to 14 people and a million or two dollars in revenue. And if you fast forward to today, you know, we're just shy of 300 people and doing hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue. And we always look back at those relationships that occur in, in the history of the business. And our partnership with Workopolis was completely and utterly formative to who we are today. Is that the reason that you now have an office in Canada from my home province in New Brunswick? No, in fact, the reason why we have an office in New Brunswick is only, I think the third time I went to my board of directors and I told them I wanted to do something and they seriously thought about having my head examined. Entrepreneurs are contrarians, right? When everyone zigs, we typically zag. And mm -hmm. 
AppCast was getting to a point where the product was working. People were loving it. We were ready to do what they call in the business scale. We had product market fit, and now we wanted to go get lots of customers, wash, rinse, repeat, just do it over and over again. And there are people that know how to do that, and I am not one of them. And while we had an incredible team at AppCast building a sales organization that has 100 people in it and the marketing organization go with it is is a unique skill set. So we opened up a requisition to go hire someone, and we're venture-backed business, so we had great investors from Bayer Venture Partners out of Chicago and Point Judith out of Massachusetts. And we hired a search firm and I was getting all these incredible resumes and interviews with people from the Bay Area and from Boston, from Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I got one from this dude by the name of Chris Cummins out of Fredericton, New Brunswick. And Chris was a senior sales executive at Skillsoft. And I just started a bromance immediately, like just hit it off. So I went to my board and I'm like, I found the guy gender neutral term, by the way, there were lots of women involved, but I said, I found the guy. I found my person. That's great. That's fantastic, Chris. Tell us about him. I said, his name's Chris and he's got this background. It's in the HCM space. He knows how to scale, runs 110 person sales organization. And they're like, done. Fantastic. Comp works the whole nine yards. I said, one issue. And they're like, what? He's in New Brunswick, Canada. And the room went silent. I said, in fact, he's in Fredericton, New Brunswick. We had to get out a map. I had to show people where it was. And they're like, what happens if you hire him and it doesn't work out? I'm like, shit, that would suck. We'll work it out. Why don't you like these other guys? I'm like, because I like Chris. I think he's the best person to do it. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, they're like, all right, whatever. (laughs) So we hired Chris and we now have close to 80 employees in Fredericton. Fredericton is our secret weapon. It is a city that has unbelievable people, incredibly hardworking, great skills. The the universities in in New Brunswick are fantastic. And happily for the province of New Brunswick, we pay very well. We have great benefits. And so we bring really high paying jobs to to where we open our offices. And it's been a great partnership. Well, in in a province that really needs it, one of the biggest challenges New Mm -hmm. Brunswick has had is the migration of young people into other province. I'm an example. I came to Alberta, which is on the other side of the country. So I'm so glad you did that. So now we're going to jump ahead to 2019. So 2019 was a very big year for programmatic advertising companies. There was several acquisitions. So AppCast was acquired by StepStone July 1st, 2019, 12 days after Indeed acquired ClickIQ. There was also TMP, now Radency, acquired a programmatic player. So I'm assuming that Indeed lost out on AppCast, hence the reason they went out and acquired ClickIQ a couple of weeks after. Can you confirm or deny that? <laughs> I can Drum deny. roll, please. And also, I don't think Indeed lost out on ClickIQ. I think they got a great team. The, the yeah. ClickIQ team is, they're super smart. They're smaller, earlier stage than we were. And I think that it was probably the right acquisition for Indeed at the time. And candidly, they're good colleagues now. We partner with Indeed and we work with those guys and we compete sometimes. And, and that's fun. There was also the KRT acquisition by Recruitix. And just that, to be clear, do you know the first programmatic provider that, that honestly created the idea was Recruitix? 
wasn't us. Yeah. So they had the first programmatic platform, software-driven ad buying platform. And to this day, we will compete in, in a good spirited way. It's a Ford and Chevy thing. So now that you've helped us connect the dots of why Canada and AppCast and having all that harmony, I am completely puzzled because programmatic in the recruitment advertising space is still trying to get off the ground in Canada. Yet your secret weapon is here in Canada. So can you share with the audience, why is it that the Canadian market is so slow to adopt programmatic recruitment advertising? Sure. It is absolutely right to say that the Canadian market is adopting programmatic or software-driven ad buying at a rate that is slower than the United States. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean it's slower. It also, candidly, Canada is adopting it at a similar rate to the UK, a faster rate than Germany. Everything is relative. So let's let's okay. abstract from Canada just one minute and talk about what are the characteristics of the market that you need to enable the growth of a programmatic, you know, kind of ecosystem. So the first thing is it's got to move to pay for performance. If everybody's mm-hmm. buying duration-based job ads, there's nothing for the software to do. It's like in duration-based world, it's as they taught my kids in kindergarten, you get what you get, don't be upset. So you mm-hmm. buy your posting, you get what you get, there you go. So number one mm-hmm. is you need to have a large swath of the market having a true job marketplace where employers bid on a cost per click or a cost per application or a cost per impression, some bidding mm-hmm. system for traffic. Got number it. one. Yeah. Number two, that needs to be a fragmented market. So if the only thing was, is, oh, 70% of the Canadian market is in fact pay for performance, but it's only Indeed. Okay. You could just use Indeed tools for the most part, especially the new ones that they're releasing and they're great. So you don't need a piece of software to manage one publisher. You use software when you manage lots of different publishers. Got um, it. And the third thing is the advanced part of programmatic is not just about getting jobs to publishers and managing bids. It's actually the hook into the hiring platform that allows you to track the impression to the click, to the apply, to the hire. When you do that, and right now over 90% of the ad revenue that flows through AppCast, we can track to the hire. It is rainbows and unicorns. Like it's magic. And I, I do not say that lightly, like this is not an overpromise under deliver thing. As soon as you're able to see over a couple month period, oh, the clicks from these publishers lead to these applies, these applies end up getting hired. You can optimize for volume or for cost or for quality almost perfectly. And so what do you need there is you need an, an ecosystem of applicant tracking systems in that market that have gotten religion about the programmatic advertising capabilities and allow those hooks to go in. So Canada has those applicant tracking systems. Mm-hmm. Canada actually has the marketplace being defined by pay for performance these days. But one of the things that's different about Canada is there's not a huge number of players that sell pay for performance that have Canadian traffic. It's actually about half as much as you find in the UK, and it's a fraction of what you have in the United States. So one of the things that's limiting it is the the fact that there's only five or six major pay-for-performance players in Canada. Now, that's changing radically, and it's changing in a very specific part of the market. If you look at the North American job ad marketplace, most people say it's about $7 billion a year. 
But if you knock out LinkedIn recruiter seats, resume database access, and stuff that is not direct response job ads, mm-hmm. you're at five and a half billion US. Okay. Okay. Out of that group, about 35% of that is enterprise. And enterprise are big companies that have lots of jobs. And so my very technical term here, right? It's mm-hmm. not pizza shops. It's not auto shops. It's not even companies that have 500 employees. We're talking about right. companies that have 1,000 employees or more or gig providers or staffing firms or job sites that buy a lot of pay for performance ad. So in the enterprise marketplace, it's only a third. A third is, if uh, we'll make it six. It's $2 billion, easy money. Okay. How much money is going through programmatic platforms right now? Out of that two billion? Out of that two billion. I'd say a hundred million. AppCast alone has a billion dollars going through our software. Oh wow. Oh, wow. Wow. That's impressive. Most of that's in the United States, but Canada's mm-hmm. growing in the enterprise marketplace mm-hmm. because if you're a big company in Canada, you're buying from more than one place by definition. Big companies mm-hmm. Basically, research shows buy from five places. In the United States, that number is increasing as they use software-driven ad buying. The value that companies have, though, in plugging in the higher data to their automatic ad buying is where all of a sudden it becomes crazily powerful. And the reason why this shift is accelerating is because of, of the global yaw between demand and supply of talent. So mm. what's driving it is not companies looking for awesome recruiters or software developers or accountants. It's companies looking for people to put stuff in boxes and drive trucks and cook in restaurants at scale. Those are the okay. hardest questions to fill right now. And so if you're sitting there and you've got a hundred restaurants and you can't find people to pour coffee at those restaurants, you, you don't have, have a business. You don't have a business. So what do you do? You're like, okay, we're going to rip up the playbook and we're going to go try whatever we think can work. So what do they do? They move to programmatic. In the old days, before you put an ad in the newspaper, you would put a sign that says help wanted in the store window, right? So even if you put an ad in the newspaper, you still put the sign in the window saying help wanted because that's free and easy. And it's step one. Step two is you go to the newspaper and you pay a little bit of money for the classified ads. If that doesn't Mm -hmm. work, you pay a bit more money, you get a display ad. Programmatic today is the equivalent of the help wanted sign in the window. You should be casting a wide net for Mm -hmm. all of your jobs. It it has the biggest impact when you're trying to find 600 baristas or a thousand people to pack boxes. But it is equally effective when you're looking for one person, because that one person may not be on Indeed, may not be on Workopolis, may not be on, on Glassdoor. They may be on some niche site that all of us have never heard of, but the software ends up finding. There's no guarantee. It's not a silver bullet, but it is a best practice to ensure that your job ads get to the places where the candidates that you want live, work, and play online. And the other part of it, and this is super interesting, is that and this is using AppCast data, but I don't believe it is specific to AppCast. So I think this is the same if you use Recruitix, you use Jovio, if you use Radency, Click IQ, whoever. When you use programmatic methodologies, you oversample for people of color by 35% and women by 10%. Okay, explain that. Mm-hmm. How does that work? All right. I don't know how it works. I have a thesis. So this actually came out a year plus ago when corporations in the United States and I imagine in Canada were having a lot of internal discussions as a result of what you know happened to George Floyd. Mm-hmm. One, somebody in one of our all, all hands actually asked this question. Chris, does our products make 
the world more equitable and more diverse in the workplace? And I'm like, that's a freaking awesome question. I have no idea. And so what we did was we went and bought a piece of software that is used by advertising companies to understand the demographics of the people that click on their ads. Okay. So like when you've probably seen it in some movie, someplace, somebody says, we've got the soccer moms clicking on this ad and we've got the, the people that listen to NPR are clicking on this ad and it's demographic information and it's profile creepy, but okay. We went and bought that software. And we, we instrumented all of our job ads. And what we found was when you use programmatic distribution, we have internet audiences of baselines, like the number of people of color have an internet audience, the number of women have an internet audience, the number of white men have an internet audience. Our ads oversample for the people of color audience by 35% and oversample for women by 10%. That's the other reason why people are starting to really rethink about programmatic is because here's the thesis about why it works. We all have our own biases. Okay. Oh, everybody I know is on Indeed. Okay, great. Mm -hmm. Indeed is the number one diversity site in the world. So that's probably a pretty good bet. But what I can tell you is not everybody is on, on Indeed. Not everybody is on LinkedIn. Not everybody's on Facebook. And so... You only know what you know. And by getting people out of this and letting software and math do it, where it says, based on this, I know that, th that these people are not in one place. They're in 17,000 places. It opens the funnel. And an open funnel, data says, creates more diversity in the funnel. So it's cool. And I wish I could claim credit for it and say this was something we thought that we were going to do from the beginning, but it occasionally blind squirrel finds nut. Well, exactly. I want to go to a different topics. And so two weeks ago, you released the top recruiting trends in 2022. I was listening to an earlier podcast that you had, I think, in January, February this year. And it's interesting <coughs> to see what has changed and how the labor market, even from January, has shifted pretty dramatically. But looking at the key points in the research is, we expect for it to be a job seeker market well into 2022 and potentially longer. And that's exactly what your report came up with. Hiring recruiters is going to be a challenge. And you recommend that hiring from HR is still the most reliable to be able to recruit recruiters. I found that interesting because me and Shelly talk a lot about this and we feel the opposite. The last place that you should actually recruit recruiters should be from HR because the skill set is completely different. And a lot of HR folks, let's just say, don't like recruiting. It's seen as an entry-level job. And the last point is we do expect salaries and wages to keep rising up. And a lot of companies are trying to bypass that by just doing a signing bonus. So what's your overall takes on those key points of the recruiting trend? Because really right now we're struggling to find recruiters. This is going to sound completely off, off point here. I don't know what we wrote because I kind of agree with you guys. <laughs> I'm going to have to go read our own report. What I can tell you is that some of the best recruiters that I've ever known have come from HR and some of the worst recruiters I've known have come from HR and some of the best recruiters I've known have come from outside of HR and vice versa. Yeah. The connector is the person that you want. Yeah. The connector is somebody that loves taking the blocks and finding which ones fit in the different holes. And the recruiters that are incredibly um, 
valuable to me as an executive are the ones that come and say, hey, Sally applied for this job in sales management, but she reads like a product manager to me and she seems wicked smart. Yeah. Can you take a look at her for that? And I look at her and say, damn, you're right. Now, the good news is that macro trend, recruiters are going to get paid more. Yeah. If you're good, you're going to be in demand because there is not a piece of software. And I'll tell you, I tried that recruits as well as a great recruiter. At the end of the day, it's going to be a buyer's market for top flight talent acquisition folks. And also specifically people that really understand marketing because more and more recruitment is turning into a marketing funnel where you've got people catching on one end. And Mm -hmm. and then you've got a bunch of, in essence, enterprise salespeople that are going on out and headhunting for the high-end talent. In terms of pay rates, my politics by U.S. standards are centrist. By most standards, I guess I'm a liberal. I actually think that what's going on right now is good. And this is coming from a business person whose costs are going up. We're budgeting a very large cost of living increase next year for all of our employees. But for folks like the three of us over the last 20 years, we're doing all right. Mm doing all right. But for folks that rather than working on a keyboard and with their brains, put boxes together, put things in boxes or fix cars or, or cut hay, they haven't seen their effective pay rate adjusted for inflation increase mm-hmm. in the last 20 years at all. In fact, in, in many segments, they're making less. And so the fact that all of a sudden companies are waking up and saying, oh, I get it. We actually have to pay people you know, enough that they can support their family and not be on public assistance if they're working 40 hours a week, far out. And if you've built a business model that is built on full-time workers taking government assistance and paying the minimum wage, you need to rethink your business model. I think you've been listening to our podcast, Christian. (laughs) That's I wish I could tell you I have been, but I, it's just, I'm not Canadian, so I'm not nice enough to say it, but no, I I have (laughs) You know, so So just the point that we've been saying that for a really long time, as far as that's one of the key contributors to what's going on right now is Mm -hmm. we don't believe and Shelly, correct me if I'm wrong. There's really a labor shortage. There's a shortage of people that want to work for no wage at all. It's creating a huge gap in the marketplace. Yeah. Yeah. And it's going to lead to innovation. Somebody's going to figure out how to run their business and pay people a living wage. And that's the type of business that we want to invest in and we want to see thrive. Absolutely. So I'm going to ask you a question as a successful entrepreneur. Tell me what keeps you awake at night when you think about your company? What what are the things that concern you the most? We're going through a a pretty dramatic increase in headcount. I used to worry for the first 20 employees at AppCast, I'd sit down and have this talk with them. So imagine this as a recruiting discussion. Mm -hmm. So say, I want to hire you. Here's what we're going to pay you, but I need you to understand something. The business may fold in the next three months. So you may be out of work. We still got these crazy people to join us. And I used to worry about the business folding. And now I, we're beyond that stage. We can make payroll and things are growing and that's good. I, I don't really worry about competitors. I root them on because we're an incredibly competitive bunch. And if we get our butts kicked one week, it's just going to make us stronger the next week. And I don't fret about that. What I worry about is. A year ago, we had 100 people, mm-hmm. and this year, we're going to have 300 people. Wow. And at our glass door rating is a 4.8, 4.9. Our employee NPS score is 80. 
And we have people that work really hard and are incredible at what they do. And that all came from this, this culture that we had built at AppCast of, of shared success. Mm-hmm. When business does well, we all do well. We're all in this together and everybody puts their shoulder into it. And the team has done a great job at hiring all these new colleagues and team members, but you can't hire 200 people and dilute some of what existed there. The thing that I worry about is not just the dilution, because we can't keep what we had when we were in that room that smelled like a hockey bag and we were doing the deal with Workopolis, where we were all tech support for Workopolis, whoever called. It's how does that culture evolve to be an organization that next year at the end of the year will be 500 people, 600 people, 700 people. I'm a different CEO than I was when we were 14 people because I got to be. And we run product differently and we run sales differently. And so culture has got to be different too. But I guess the thing that I worry about is losing that edge of that AppCast culture that got us here. Mm. Thank you. One key thing that we always try is to educate our audience on key trends that's going on in the industry. And I was looking at an earlier report that you had, I think it was January, February last year. And we talk a lot about this as well, as far as the percentage of job seekers that are using mobile to not only look at jobs, but now to apply for jobs. And one of the dramatic things I saw from your data is you went from 49% to 61% in 2020. The other thing, the best time to post a job is Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. The worst time is Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which is actually the opposite of most talent acquisition departments. So has that changed? Has the data changed or you don't know yet from what you saw earlier this year? Is this still best practice for recruiters out there? Yeah, yeah. I call it job search for the new week. The spikes on Tuesdays. It starts on Mondays because people have a crappy Monday and they're like, that's it. I'm done. I don't want to come back to this clown show. And it's on mobile because that's what everything is on these days. And yeah. then people will oftentimes come and use a desktop to apply after they've benchmarked a job or they've bookmarked a job and and saved it. But yeah, nothing fundamental has changed. The only thing that's going to happen is that more people are going to be doing everything on mobile and it's going to cause our talent acquisition teams to have to get with the program. We took the offline former thing that you get a clipboard and a pencil to fill out your job application. And we took that same job application and put it onto Resmix and Personic. That's all we did. Yeah. And then when Resmix and Personic went away and we moved to the, the web-enabled stuff with RecruitSoft slash Taleo and everything, we made the same mistake. It's, oh, okay, we need all this information up front to hire you. No, you don't. You don't need that at all. You need my name. You need my phone number. You may need my resume if it's a white-collar job. If not, you need to ask me three questions tops mm-hmm. to know if you want to talk to me. After you talk to me, Or you say, if you answer these three questions, then I want to ask you 10 more. And if you answer those questions, I want to talk to you, then ask them for all the stuff that's going to go into the HRIS system. Everyone gives ATS is a bad name about having a bad mobile experience. And, you know, we need to look in the mirror, boys and girls. It's the decisions that we make about what goes onto that form that creates the bad experience for job seekers, not the technology that exists. Yeah, some of the technology blows, but it's not the majority these days. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's the bad decisions that we make about asking all these questions that we don't need to know from everybody up front. Thank you so much. So, Chris, 
really appreciate you coming on. This was very enlightening. Obviously, your passion for the industry just shines true. So for any of our listeners that want to know more about AppCast or yourself, where would you guide them to go? www.appcast.io. A-P-P-C-A-S-T-I-O. T.io. So, Perfect. Or just Google AppCast and don't click on the links from our competitors that buy our keyword. Anyway, thanks, guys. This was a ton of fun. Perfect. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks. What was it like to be there for historical sports moments and unforgettable performances? To be behind the scenes? On PressBox Access, you'll hear from me, Todd Jones, and other sports writers about their experiences with the greatest athletes, coaches, and sports events of the past half century. We'll share some stories behind the stories, some big, some small, and some we've only told each other. Let us buy you around on PressBox Access.